Art is more than just a composition of beautiful colors and carefully placed brushstrokes. When we can think about it more expansively, that is. Welcome to the Art of Podcast, a show that unveils the masterpiece resulting from you taking your healing into your own hands. I'm your host, Leah Fisher, a trauma survivor turned multi-awarded reflectionist artist with a master's degree in counseling. My highest intention is to create a community for self-healers. Together, we'll unlock your own creative capacity to design a life of holistic wellness and embrace the healing journey, one step at a time. This is a Soulfire Productions podcast. You're listening to The Art of Podcast, episode number eight. So welcome back to The Art of Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Fisher, and As promised, I have a very special guest today, and I know you're really going to enjoy him. And it's a little bit different than what I've been doing so far on the podcast. It's a little bit lighter and fun because the art of life and creativity isn't just about healing the things that we perceive that we need to work on, but really leaning into celebrating life and the things that we all go through. So today is our first episode of Dating with Devin, with Devin Savage, who is one of my very best friends and someone who has this innate, incredible ability to really bring a lot of a lot of love and light to what could be a really serious situation. You know, he um he really brings me back from going down the rabbit hole in certain situations. And so I know that you will really enjoy him as we talk to him today. So hi, Devin Savage. Well, hello. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a great introduction. I have to say, if I could actually have that as a recording on my Tinder profile, I would be perfect. That would, that would, that's great. Hey, you know, I'm for hire. (laughs) (laughs) So you're here. This is the first time you've ever done a podcast. Is this right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what is your background? So I don't know if I can sum that up in 40, uh, 40 words or less. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so born and raised in the Midwest, grew up just outside of Chicago. Um, I have lived in Chicago, LA, and now Dallas. Moved here. I think it's been 14 months now, which wow. is kind of crazy. Think about um and I feel like I really kind of found my place um, in multiple elements and angles in my life. So mm-hmm. here I am. Well, we are so, I, I mean, I personally am so glad to have you here in Dallas and um, I feel fine about stealing you away from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as you very well know, this is a podcast about creative energy and healing and really bringing this creative spirit to our lives in every single capacity. Tell me a little bit about your journey with creative energy and and your uh, new life change that you just went through. Yeah, absolutely. So I think right out of college, um, actually, I, I graduated college early in order to move into the corporate world downtown Chicago. Um, and I did that for about eight years, which was amazing. I learned so much, uh, both about myself, but also just about, you know, uh, I don't know how to be professional and how to conduct business and how to like sell remote, all things that I've found that were valuable or have tons of intrinsic value later on in life. Um, So no regrets by any means, but I did that for about eight to nine years, 
then I decided that life was starting to look a little kind of the same, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, in, and I don't do well with just the same, the same thing, just a different day. So I realized that I needed to make a change. And um, my brother owns, a, my younger brother owns a product design firm out in Santa Barbara. And he's like, man, you know, I'd love to have you working with me in some capacity, in some way, if we can make this work. And, and, uh, you know, I kind of like, and, and this was, a this, that happened, that conversation took place probably at least, you know, four to five times before. And it was a serious conversation, but I was kind of like, oh yeah, well, you know, that'd be nice. <clears throat> but that conversation kind of popped up in my head when I started to think, I think I need to make a change. I'm kind of in a rut, which is really kind of unusual for me. It was just kind of the same stuff, different weekends, same people, all of you know whom I love and and I adore and respect and appreciate. But those people will always be there in your life, you know, like the the constants. Um, so I took a trip out to California and didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> and is that when you, so you started going into interior design. Is that where you started delving into that a little bit? No. So actually I've been into interior design. The first, I started staging houses actually to uh, kind of help pay for my college. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that was back when I was, gosh, I, I had to have been eight, 17 or 18. And ironically, that's also how I found my first corporate job was I had I had staged a house for a lovely couple and um, she was retired at the, you know, ripe age of 31. And I'm mm -hmm. like, what did you do? Because I want to do that too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, then I, and she's like, well, you know, she explained that, you know, this whole world of market research and data and analytics. And I'm like, you know what? Like, this sounds really, really fascinating. And that fueled me into, uh, into my career that I had while I lived in Chicago. I've always done design work on the side because it's a, it's a passion of mine and it's something that I need to, when you're working with analytics and you're working with research and all, all the things that can maybe seem so dry on a daily basis, like you need that creative outlet. So yeah. um, that's always been my creative outlet. Yeah. And, but you never really thought it would be a full-time career. Maybe you thought you couldn't make enough money or maybe you didn't have the right training. What were your thoughts around that? All the above and aforementioned. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really thought that like to break into that space, you've got to make a name for yourself and you've got to, there was just so many different elements that I think were overwhelming to me in a sense. And so it was really easy for me to, you know, bank on, uh, you know, a nice, you know, cush corporate job. <laughs> right. And then right. do what I wanted to do on the side in the form of, you know, design or helping friends and family with their, uh, with their design needs. So. Well, I will tell everyone on that's listening to right now that Devin helped me design my house and it's absolutely stunning. It's thank you so much for doing that. Oh, uh, this was a labor of love. Oh my gosh. It was the labor for you. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, here's the best thing though, is that you were like, you were like the dream client. You were the dream client in the sense of you knew exactly, you didn't really know so much what you liked, but you definitely knew what you didn't like. Yeah. And so there was that process of elimination, but you also took instruction very, very well. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's that. Yeah, absolutely. I would send you like, Hey, this would be cool. And you're like, and I, I wouldn't hear anything about it. Right. So there was kind of like that, well, maybe she didn't like it. And then next time I would come over, I'd see that you bought, you know, the, the tree stump 
you're like, (laughs) (laughs) or whatever it was. I'm like, oh my gosh. And you're like, well, you said to get at it. And I'm like, gosh, you are so good. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm creative in many different ways. Interior design is not one of them. I don't even want them to be one of them. I just want it to look cute in my house. That's it. And you did that for me. Thank you, Devin. Absolutely. I think it was kind of a fun challenge too, because I think, you know, coming from your condo, which was very like modern and it was very clean line, slick nude and then moving to more of a traditional house that had all of these like so much character and all these like older elements and kind of these raw you know natural organic elements it was really fun it it, it was fun 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 for me too and so so this is what Devin does he quits his corporate job of over (laughs) 10 years and just jumps into this huge project how many square feet is this house that you're remodeling and which one oh yeah you've got two you've got two i guess are they mansions i feel like they are mansions so the, the first one which was kind of what what really kind of started this whole process, right? So the first one is just shy of 8,000 square feet. The second one was also very similar in size. I think it might be like 7,200 square feet. It's incredible. Yeah. And they're uh, right down the street from one another because I've learned that that's the easiest way to uh, to project manage. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to drive all the way across from, you know, from Dallas, if I had to go to Highland Park or like up to like over to Lakewood, yeah. I wouldn't be able to have the same impact that I do when I can just pop over and meet someone there, whether it be a subcontractor or, you know, some someone working with the windows or the doors or any kind of element. It's it's actually it's very convenient. So yeah. And for those listening, you know, I think this is very expansive because you know, you really, you really jumped off a cliff and it was really a stretch to do something completely different. I know you were scared of losing the security and what was comfortable, but you really leaned into that creativity and just decided, Hey, you only live one time. And this is what I really want to be doing. Absolutely. I I think like timing wise, this is like coming off of the best year that I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Right. Right. In the corporate world. In in the the corporate corporate world. world. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, when I actually, when I resigned my, uh, my manager, my like direct line manager, she was so caught off guard. She's like, what? (laughs) Like she thought it was kind of a joke. And, and, uh, it was really hard for me. I'm not going to lie. Like that was yeah, tough. Like yeah. coming off a, a great year and nothing was wrong with my career at right. all. Nothing was wrong with my job. In fact, like I actually wanted to place like my my replacement. Like I wanted someone else to like fall into it mm-hmm. um, because it was such a good gig. And the people that I worked with and worked for were so amazing. And when I actually like when I made the calls to my clients, right. And I was like, hey, I just wanted to give you a heads up. I'm going to be taken off or whatever. It was actually, it was, uh, I just got the chills. Um, It was really, really cool to see the feedback of people that understood that I was pursuing my passion Mm -hmm. and that I had the opportunity to pursue my passion. Mm. Well, that's incredible. And speaking of pursuing passions... We are not here to talk about work. No, enough about that. No, enough about that. But um, so we're here to talk about dating. And are you a dating expert, Devin? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I wish. You know, here's the weird thing is that I will say this. I feel like I'm a relationship expert. Yeah? Yeah. And like that's, that's that's, that's a tall title. And I think that's pretty... Um, I don't know. I think when uh, so much of my life, so I grew up as a gay man and I think that there was this fear growing up that 
I was going to lose all of the people that mattered the most to me when I, when I became true to myself. And so at a very, very young age, I started to manifest the fact that all of these relationships in my life, I need to, I need to never take for granted, but also embrace them and grow them and nurture them. And in my mind, you know, this is also my mind is like a seven year old. Right. And I'm like, all right, if I lose half of my friends when I come up, cause that's, I'm not kidding. Like that's kind of what I was, that was exactly what I was thinking is that I'm going to lose at least half my friends. No one's going to accept me. All of these things. For coming out gay. Yeah. Yeah. That I figured if I had a, a, a large enough selection of friendships, relationships. Of Tinder dates. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought like, you know what? I might be in a good spot. And so anyways, I'll, long story long right there. But <laughs> putting back to like, I don't think that I've ever mastered the art of a relationship <laughs> or I'm sorry, a personal relationship right. in terms of like intimacy and and finding a life partner. Right. However, I feel like I've found like, you know, a handful of soulmates. I would maybe even put you as one of yes. them. You know? No, no, I completely agree with you. You are really good at um, relations between between people. Uh, but how long is your longest committed relationship? I don't know. None. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would say like, oh man, if you would even call it that, I would call it like a, like a I'm on the three month stand. Okay. I think that that's usually like my like fight or flight. <laughs> so, so this is where we're coming from with this, this interview and these episodes is that we are, but Devin and I are both single and absolutely we, yeah. <laughs> notoriously for me yeah i have a little bit more of a problem with it than, like a lot more of a problem with than devin does we're coming from it with two completely per different perspectives and we hang out a lot we go out a lot together and it's really a fun conversation when we talk about i don't know just the people that we're talking to and interested in and and what the dynamics are and how they, different they are and we just laugh all the time about it if there was a dating spectrum, I would say that you and I are on opposite sides, but we love to just kind of float along the way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I don't know. I I feel like if both of us, we, we just merge a little bit farther to the middle about our different ways we do it, we might get a little bit farther in where we might want to go. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if you approach me with that, um, with that <laughs> subject closer to winter. <laughs> <laughs> you're like it's summer i am not wanting a boyfriend right now i might be more inclined to be like you know what it is time to settle down <laughs> <laughs> like i need a date for thanksgiving <laughs> oh my gosh well i um, we should totally talk about that at some time though too because i feel like the element of like bringing home like a date for like the holidays or anything like that is like overwhelming to me because I've never done it. In fact, my grandpa was <laughs> you like, "You took me home for the holidays." I know. <laughs> yes, actually, you're so correct. But that's because you're a soulmate. <laughs> Your mom's like, "Could he be straight? Let me keep out of Could he? No, no, um, that's not happening." My grandpa it was so funny when I, my mom's like, "Hey, I feel like we should tell grandpa that you're gay." <laughs> And I'm like, I mean, mom, tell him whatever. I don't, that's fine. And my, like, let me preface this with my grandpa's also, you know, 83 or 82 years old. And so he's like, you know what? I've always wondered, you, you know, all these, all the cousins are bringing home, you know, all <sighs> their partners and Devin's never brought anybody home. He's not a bad looking guy, yeah, I must say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, grandpa. I know. Oh, grandpa. Well, I think this is a great time to talk about how we met and um, 
So <laughs> I, this was. It has nothing to do with my grandpa, by the way. has nothing to do with your grandpa. <laughs> I probably would have had a lot better luck with your grandpa. <laughs> but so let's see. This was over a year ago. And I was going out with some girlfriends. And I am notoriously, I will not talk to guys in a bar. I will never go up to them. They never come up to me. And so after I was divorced, I thought, you know, I need to get rid of this. I I might have a resting bitch face. You know, I don't know. I'm completely unapproachable, I feel like. But, and so I was. I don't think you're unapproachable, by the way. I think that like, I think there's this uh, level of like intimidation because you're a strong force. Like I thought. That was also why I was attracted to you, but sorry, keep going. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, I think it's a little bit arrogant to think that someone's just automatically good at dating and flirting. And this is not my forte. I am the, I'm not good at this. I've been in a relationship pretty much my whole life. So, you know, I usually meet them through friends. And so when I was getting divorced, I was like, you know, I, I would really like to be approachable and maybe talk to someone. So I started listening to Matthew Hussey, who's going to be our first resource for this episode. And he's great. He's so good. He's yeah. so, he's so hot. So hot. So hot. So hot. <laughs> His accent. I mean, anyway, I digress. You can come home with me for Christmas. That's oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Both of us. I'm, we're going to be a thruple, like going to your mom's house in Chicago. You know she would love that, actually. Oh, my gosh. We we would never get any attention from her if Matthew was with us. But so I'm listening to Matthew Hussey because I'm trying to learn how to date. I'm trying to learn how to flirt because I am just not good at it. And I think it's a little arrogant to think that you should just have confidence and that should be it. You know, you wouldn't ever be a surgeon and just say you're going to be very confident that you can cut somebody's heart out. You know, it's, it's a skill. Human relationships are a skill. So Matthew Hussey has a book called how to get the guy and he has a podcast called love life and is all over YouTube and TikTok. And he just, he's really makes a lot of sense about a lot of the things that people struggle with whenever they're trying to date. I think he offers a very healthy perspective of the opposite sex, like actually on, on, on both sides or even just men and women in general. It's not so much, I, I guess, <laughs> I, I need to know less about, you know, how to date a woman, but like, <laughs> but I do feel like he has a really, really healthy perspective on relationships in general, both he, sides. He really does. He really does. And he has very practical tips. Yeah. So I'm listening to him and I'm trying to figure out how to approach a guy in a bar. And he comes, he's talking about this technique called the white handkerchief technique. And essentially, you know, with women, it's, you don't want to be the aggressor and you don't want to seem desperate or you just want to sit there and let people like lavish all over you. But the, the thing that he explains that men also have insecurities in bars, like no matter how good looking they are or whatever, unless they're super drunk and they're talking to every single girl, they'll also have an intimidation factor and don't want to look stupid or get turned down by a girl. So this technique is the white handkerchief technique where in the old days, you know, a woman would walk along the street and she would drop her handkerchief in someone she in front of someone she found attractive and they would pick it up and give it to her. And that would give them an opening to talk to the girl. And so his version of this is ask somebody to do you a favor. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> 
giggling. So, I'm, I'm so, reminiscing right now. I know. So I'm putting on my makeup. I'm listening to Matthew Hussey. I'm like, tonight's going to be the night that I, that I talk to a guy in a bar. So I'm sitting in a bar in Dallas and I have uh, had two martinis. And let me just be the first to tell you that no good decisions were ever made after two martinis. Just a little warning there. However, I drink these two martinis. Then I see this beautiful man across the bar. I mean, he's tan. He has blonde hair. What? Say that again. (laughs) (laughs) His outfit was just incredible. So polished. And, you know, after two martinis, you, you kind of see what you want to see. And all it just, I saw that. And maybe not see what you don't want to see. (laughs) Right. So I'm, I see Devin across the bar and I'm like, okay, that's, I'm going to do this. I'm you gonna, could be straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. It was, it was all too perfect. I mean, life just doesn't work that way. But so I walk up to Devin and I have this necklace on and I take it off and I drop it in front of him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my necklace fell off. Could you help me put it back on? And here I am. Like, so I'm just a gentleman in general. Like, I feel like that's like it's in my core values, like coming from the Midwest. So like when this happened, like I just heard this like loud, like like clinging. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I think I I think I even like I th- probably was the one that was like, oh my gosh, let me let me get that for you. Right. <laughs> right. And, and I think yes. that the, that's kind of like I don't I, like when I reflect back on that moment, I think that that was also like maybe I'm wired that way, like where you just want to help. I so think, the technique's not off. Yeah, no, I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's men in general, like, you know, whether you buy into the archetype or not, men are want to please and want to do and and women you know, like to receive, it's kind of the nature of the masculine and the feminine, but I think you're right. I mean, it, it you were wor- a damsel in distress. I, I, just, I, I needed to, I needed to help. <laughs> I felt that immediate like need or I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I, I got this. Yeah. So like the, the technique is very, very right. You yeah. just got to find the right people to use it. <laughs> yeah. To, <laughs> finish the story. Devin. Okay. So this is the best part, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh, oh this poor, like not this poor woman, but like I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, I got it. And I like, because she was also wearing high heels and she had this fabulous outfit on. And like, I don't know, like, again, maybe it's like where I grew up and coming from Midwest or the fact that like, like I, I have so many, you know, women in my life. I just know that sometimes like it's not really, really easy for a woman to just bend down and like <laughs> pick up something or I don't know what it was. But anyways, I so I grabbed the necklace, right? And I kid you not, like halfway up, like as I'm like coming back up, I realize I'm like, oh shit, oh shit. She like, she thinks I'm gonna this this I'm gonna send the wrong impression. She, I'm gonna help her because I also, by the way, I'm like, well, I got to put it back on her because like, because <laughs> you can't put a necklace on by yourself, no. you know. And so, no. anyways, I, as I like come back up, I see like at in the meantime, and somehow, like MacGyver over here decides to. Put up like her hair. So like obviously the hair wouldn't get in the way of putting the necklace on. And she's like, can you? And like kind of just like does this like kind of like flirty, like, you know, turns her back towards me. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, I'm like, she thinks I'm straight. She's in heat. Yeah. yeah she's in heat. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, and so in that instant, I'm like, I can. Yeah. I'm like, I'd be happy to. But by the way, I'm super gay. <laughs> Which I don't know if like super gay is like a thing at all. Like I don't think there's like I don't think there's a gay scale. Maybe yeah, there is. Yeah. 
But like, I no, love the fact can, that I'm can like, I correct you? You're like, yeah. I'm super gay. I'm so good at putting on jewelry. Yes. And I'm yes, like, uh, I'm like, of course he's gay. Now I see. Now I see. Yes. But actually, so here I will say this, like to go back to like Matthew Hussey and kind of that technique is that it did actually offer a very kind of intimate moment for you and I. Yeah. Right. Like I'm literally like, you know, seven inches from your ear <laughs> and you've got your back towards like, you know, turned towards me. So it's like. I don't know. I just felt like it was very like kind of vulnerable, but it was like, all right, I'm yeah. going like, to help her. And she trusts me. And so naturally it fed into like, you know, like a, a more deep conversation, especially after my response. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I will say it absolutely worked. I got me a man. We have probably yes. talked every single day since that night. We ended up. I mean, like, you scored. Yeah. You scored. No, yeah. Even if you do say so yourself. <laughs> we might not sleep together, but my gosh, we have a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, we, we absolutely do. So I don't know. That's just a really good technique of his. I, I know that we'll discuss him further on further episodes and you guys people check check this guy out i mean about texting and and all this stuff i think um one thing so devin like as a gay man yeah so that white handkerchief technique i it could work on a man and a man but like i know i've just been sitting here thinking about i'm like shit maybe i should try that tonight <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should both try that. Tonight. I'm like, I've just never like, done that before. But now that I'm like, now that we're talking about it, I'm like, gosh, that was good. That I was have, good. I've, I've actually never talked to another man in a bar since then. <laughs> but that's on me. That's on me for sure. But so like as a gay man, that power dynamic, I mean, obviously between men and women, I mean, it's, you kind of need something like that, I guess. Mm. But like, what about the power dynamic? I mean, like, calling first or asking someone out first or or talking to a, a guy in a bar like what is like how do you feel about that is there some kind of power dynamic so you know what's interesting is that like when i first like so i've i've been on plenty of dates it's just that i tend to probably not go anywhere <laughs> <laughs> or goes in a direction that i you know don't find promising for a long term yeah however i will say like What's interesting from the from the gay male perspective is that there isn't like necessarily this role. I think I mean, I have a lot of straight friends, couples, right, where that dynamic is sh like it it varies from couple to couple where like, let's say, you know, the woman is, you know, she's the one that's in charge of the finances or let's say the male is the one that's in charge of, you know, taking care of the kids. Like, yeah. it's really, really interesting. And I think that there's probably like overarching this shift right which makes it even more complicated by the way for a gay man because i'm like well <laughs> am i the lady or yeah, no <laughs> like, like who pays for dinner um it depends i like see here's the thing and this is probably why i'm single but i like i think it's <laughs> i think it's very important for me to be authentic to myself and the fact that like i don't want someone to take care of me mm. right and i don't want to send that impression mm -hmm. that like i need someone and so for me, it's actually uncomfortable when someone pays for me, mm. like across the board, it, like it, and that's with friendships, that's with anything in general. Um, I think that like, you know, a big part, like I've worked hard and I want to, I want to actually take care of somebody. However, what's interesting is that in a relationship from like a romantic perspective, like that's the op, I send the wrong signal. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> because I tend to be a little bit more submissive. I make decisions all day, every day. I don't think right? I've ever seen you submit to anyone. No, <laughs> no. But you know how you know how badly I would just love if some guys like, hey, Thursday, five mm. p.m. I'm picking you up 
don't worry. Don't yes. ask questions. I would just be like, oh, Yes. I also, I also love that really, that masculine authoritative energy, but it has to come from the right person because if if the wrong person does that to you, you're like, Oh gosh, absolutely. There's gotta be this like kind of like soft, kind of like tender element to the person that does that. But what's interesting is that like, I feel like you and I are very similar in the fact that like, we're very, very like type a, like we are driven. And what's sad is that like, What's sad, I would call it sad, at least from from my perspective, is that I feel like I send the wrong impression, right? Like I would love for a guy to come up and approach me, but like I also have a very, very strong personality that I realize is is oftentimes intimidating for yeah. a man that like, you know, especially a top. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I need a dom, but I, but I, but yeah, yeah. Right. I got Ugh. it. Well, I mean, so you, you are really playing the field. You're not super into commitment right now. You're not feeling like you want a boyfriend. Is that a nice way to say I'm a little bit howie? Cause I'm like, <laughs> what? really playing the field. I mean, if I could label you like that. No, I, but- let's say I've got, you know, I host a game every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you, but I think that's interesting because you told me before that you actually want kids at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So long-term when I, when I try to like think of like what would make, well, okay. So let me back that up a little bit. I want to have kids and I want to settle down, but I also feel like there's so much life to live right now in where I'm at in my life. And like, I also have the luxury, I guess, of getting to choose when I have, we don't have any accident pregnancies over here in the gay world. Let me tell yeah, you, no slip right, ups, right? Right. And so I think there's like that element of, I want the timing to be right. And my, you know what my dad did say, tell me one time, he goes, Devin, it's never going to be the right time. Like you, you got to drop that. Like there's never going to be the time. You just figure out how to make it work. Right. Um, but I still kind of feel like there's this right time where I want to be the best parent that I can be. And right now I have no desire to slow mm-hmm. down. I, I like going out and I like meeting new people. And so, um, yes, I would say someday, but. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think getting back to the healing curator, um, you know, how I do things. Yeah. Do you think there's any like some unconscious fear or some self-limiting beliefs that might be underneath there that maybe you're a little afraid of commitment yeah i think there's a lot of things we need to unpack up going out (laughs) upstairs would you be willing to do that a little bit on the next show oh absolutely i am i am all for self-discovery i think that you can never be so secure in yourself to where you feel like yep i'm just i'm good i think there's always room for improvement there's always room for another perspective or another element or another Something that you didn't know before, whether it be like about somebody else or about yourself. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because uh, I think that just from my observation, there's a big chasm of kind of what you told me kind of what in the future and where you are now. And maybe you haven't found the right person, but I think it would be interesting to explore a little bit uh, your your beliefs around commitment and some of the blocks and things like that. So I was thinking maybe on the next episode, we might talk about attachment styles because I mean, I'm, I'm no, you know, doctor, but I think that our attachment styles are exactly opposite. So talking about an anxious versus an, uh, an avoidant attachment style might be an interesting conversation for us. Absolutely. And you know what I'd also love to talk about is a big chasm because whatever you just said there, (laughs) it sounds (laughs) fun. (laughs) (laughs) Also on the next episode. (laughs) 
Well, oh my gosh, this is so fun. And I'm so excited to be working on this project with you. And I, I really look Me forward too. to continuing this conversation. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much, Devin. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Where can we find you? Um, in honor bar bring your white handkerchief roundup dallas texas (laughs) so you can find me on instagram devin savage um and that is my real name um i I oftentimes people are like wait is that just like a and he he looks like a devin savage guys too i mean i got it for my birthday and it's been suiting ever since oh my gosh he's also like the luckiest person i've ever met so there's that um so anyway thank you so much you can find him on instagram devin savage and you can also find me on Instagram, Leah Fisher Art. And I will just, I'll leave you here. And again, as you might o- be able to find me on Grinder or Tinder too, just by the way. No, okay. <laughs> my God. You're going to have all these people. You're going to have all these people reaching out to you. And, and oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. He's never going to get married. He's never going to have children because he's going to have dates forever I after this. It. <laughs> so anyway if you've enjoyed this show please like my um give me five stars write me a review definitely subscribe to the podcast and as always if you have any resources in dating or in healing or just anything that you're creative doing in your life single gay friends (laughs) <laughs> all this, uh, just send all the single gay friends to Devin, please. <laughs> please send me the resources so I can share them with people. And we will talk to you very soon. <laughs>